For our final speaker of the evening, we have Professor Michael Pewitt. Professor Pewitt is the Walter C. Klein Professor of Chinese History and teaches several classes, including the popular Ethical Reasoning 18, Classical Chinese Ethical and Political Theory. His research includes Chinese history, Chinese religion, as well as comparative history. Please join us in welcoming our final speaker of the evening, Professor Pewitt. So my deep thanks to the organizers for putting this together and of course to all of you for coming. It's a tremendous honor to be here. To begin, let me take you on a thought experiment. Let's imagine it's 100 years from now and for the sake of argument, let's assume that the world still exists and that there still is a human species. And let's continue that assumption by saying and there's still historians around who are writing histories. I suspect if they do exist, they will write a history of a particular period of American history, late 20th, early 21st centuries, in other words, I'm embarrassed to say my generation, along something for the following lines. I suspect they will say, this was a generation that was kind of unique, unique in its complete complacency. This was a generation, again, I'm speaking of myself, <laughs> deeply apologetic to what, I, what we have left to you. It's a world in which we were very much formed by, for example, 1989. Historians love dates, so they probably will put that as sort of the beginning point of this period. In 1989, the Berlin Wall fell. And we thought, my generation, well, something cataclysmic has occurred. The last major ism of the 19th and 20th century, apart from what we have in America, has now died. And there was a strong sense in my generation that we basically had figured things out. That we basically had figured out how to organize the economic world, how to organize the political world. We thought we understood how human beings operated, that were these good, rational human beings who decide rationally what we want and were good autonomous selves. And we really thought that the basic problems had been solved. Indeed, there was even a book written very soon thereafter called The End of History by Francis Fukuyama, widely criticized for being rhetorically extreme, but nonetheless, I think it captured the sense of the age, which was that history in the sense of radically new ideas had come to an end. We basically had solved the problems. And I suspect historians will also note that bizarrely, that continued. It didn't just occur in 89, it's largely continued. And for an entire period of American history, we've really thought that to be the case. And meanwhile, they will probably say, all of this evidence has emerged, clearly, we, one would have thought, proving almost all of that to be, at a fundamental level, false. For example, psychological experiments, proving quite clearly that most of our folk understandings of how we operate as human beings is simply empirically wrong. And yet, didn't really seem to have much of a wider cultural impact. Other cultures emerging and becoming more significant, to which we foolishly said, well, that's fine because they used to be part of a traditional world. We are modern, we figured out things, and all that's occurring as these new economies begin developing around the world is they're throwing off their traditions, and they too are becoming moderns. They're becoming like us. So yeah, they might have a higher GNP in a few decades, but they'll be like us, so it'll be our world just expanded. And meanwhile, 
other crises began to emerge, you know, some ecological crises, to which we thought, okay, well, we'll develop new technologies to solve those too, and so it's not fundamentally leading us to question anything. And then I suspect those historians will say, at the very conclusion of that chapter, that nice little world that my generation had painted for itself, that nice little world of believing that all of human history up until now had lived in some kind of traditional worldview where they didn't understand how things operated, and we now finally, after tumultuous 19th and 20th centuries, came up with a proper ideology, the proper vision of the world, we finally figured things out. That world, I suspect the historians will say, collapsed sometime not probably too far in the distant future. It collapsed in a series of massive ecological crises. It perhaps, if there are psychological historians, they will note it collapsed too, well, psychologically, that humans began to realize in the society that they were not actually leaving, leading free, autonomous lives where they were making radically new decisions for themselves. In fact, they were quite on the contrary straitjacketing themselves, bizarrely, not even realizing the degree to which they were doing that. And moreover, they will say, radically new, which should have been clear all along, new ways of thinking are emerging all over the world, which actually aren't even necessarily so new. They're building upon very older forms of economic patterns older forms of political thought, of older forms of visions of the self coming to the fore, being reinvented, and leading to a radically and dramatically different world. And they will close that chapter saying, that age of complacency, which could have been an extraordinary period in world history, on the contrary, fell to pieces. And then the next chapter will begin. And that next chapter is going to be an incredibly important one. Either the crises that we are leading, leaving to you are going to overwhelm us, and they could, frankly, they're that serious, or you all will do what we failed to do. You all will, right now, begin to question all that you have ever learned. Uh, taking for granted, most of it is probably wrong. You will, right now, begin to think, maybe we as human beings don't operate as we've been told. Maybe the current economic and political order we have is one of many, many, many ways of organizing the world. Perhaps very good in some respects, perhaps very bad in other respects, and regardless, there's nothing particularly modern or proper about it. It is a contingent way of organizing the world that we should either try to preserve or question, but either way, take for granted, there are other radically different ways of doing it, and no one is going to pre-give this world to you as something that is somehow the proper way of doing anything. In other words, if you now question everything, take for granted that our nice little traditional modernity narratives are almost assuredly, absurdly wrong, that much of the world you will see is going to consist of radically different, and again, oftentimes very old, visions once again coming to the fore, leading to radically different ways of thinking about the self, of thinking about economic and political orders, of thinking about absolutely everything. And if you now start building a cosmopolitan world, taking those seriously and actually saying, what would it mean to actually learn from other cultures and vice versa? What would it mean to actually question current ways of organizing the world and vice versa? Begin to actually face up to crises outside of our stupid little narratives that our generation have been telling you. If you do that now, 
that next chapter will be written. And that next chapter will be a chapter that will be incredibly exciting. A, an exciting chapter of building a cosmopolitan world, of a new generation facing up to things, questioning everything, building an incredibly cosmopolitan, powerful world. And that will be an unbelievably exciting chapter to write. And if you fail, in other words, if you're like us, there may not be another chapter. <laughs> Honestly, at this stage, we've left you crises that our worldview isn't going to save you from. If you're like us, there won't be historians 100 years from now. They may not exist, or a human species, or a world. In short, what I'd like to leave you with is the following. We have left you a horrible world. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We've left you a very, very foolishly complacent way of thinking about the world. We have taught you in the schools implicitly, not even thinking we were doing it, or acknowledging we were doing it, or even realizing we were doing it, a nice little neat narrative about a traditional worldview that we've overcome and become modern, we have in short instilled in you a worldview that has led you, if you follow us, to not think, to not innovate, to not be open to experiences, to not be open to new ideas, or rather often old ideas coming once again to the fore, to fail to listen to anything, to fail to innovate, to fail to be open to the world, all the while telling yourselves that you're free and autonomous and there's no problem. That's the world we've left you. Break out of that worldview, break out of that sense of absurd complacency, do it now, write that next chapter, ensure that there will be historians 100 years from now who will actually be able to write the chapter saying what disastrous things our generation did to the world and can actually write that new chapter saying and look at the incredibly innovative things that next generation did with a level of imagination that my generation could not even begin to achieve. I wish I were in your generation. I am sorry for what I've done to you <laughs> or rather what my generation has done, but the world we've left you with, bad as it is, can still be saved. Live well, do incredible things, rethink everything, and please save the world that we have left you. Thank you so much. Thank you.